tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Good morning. What a great privilege that we have to worship our true God. It's truly a blessing to be here and to worship God and listen to his word. My name is Sam Lanka. I'm one of the associate pastors here. And today I got the privilege to share God's word. We are studying the Hallel Psalms, Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. These are praise psalms. And as Steve explained us last week, these six psalms, Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, the Israelites used to sing on special occasions like festivals of Passover and others. Some of the psalm songs or psalms they used to sing before meals and some they used to sing after the meals. Now, last week, Steve has explained Psalm 113. Psalm 113 is all about our incomparable God. God is mighty, God is powerful, that there is no one like him. In, in, today, we are, we are going to meditate Psalm 114. So if you have Bibles, please open with me to Psalm 114. It's a pretty short psalm with eight verses. Now, this psalm explains or gives some of the examples of God's mightiness, how he is unique with some of the historical facts that he has done or he has delivered Israelites from Egypt and brought into the promised land. So we're going to see some of the great miracles that God has done in this psalm. By the way, this psalm is dated to the time when the Israelites were, uh, came back from the Babylonian captivity. In 586, they were led to Babylonian, uh, Babylon. When they returned back, now imagine, people were depressed, they were disappointed, they were discouraged, a lot of difficulties in their hometown that God has given them. Now it was God who promised them with this beautiful land, but they were discouraged because with whatever uh, all has happened. Now so the author of this psalm, of course ultimately it's the Holy Spirit, but the man, the person who wrote, this psalm was written to encourage the people who are depressed or going through all the difficulties and disappointments. The psalm is saying that the God who delivered Israelites is the same God who is mighty still and he can do all, uh, he can perform all the miracles even today. So remember, that's the purpose of this psalm. The thrust of this psalm is to encourage people in those days and even to us. Now, one of the major uh, important truth that we see in this psalm is the creation response to, the, to its creator. The creation obeys its God. Now imagine as we're going to study this psalm, we're going to see the nature, the mountains, the hills, the sea and river, and the author has personified this nature and he has displayed the response of the nature as a human response. Now imagine, the nature cannot respond, but 
the author, I mean, it did respond to God's word, it, it obeyed. But we're going to see a unique language in this psalm that has to be or would be applicable to us. Now, going to the history that God has promised to give this land of Israel to the nation of Israelites, to all the descendants of Jacob. But unfortunately, they have to let to the Egypt and they were in bondage for 400 years. And after 400 years, as God promised, He delivers them, He redeems them from Egypt to the promised land. Now, 70% of descendants went to Egypt who were in, in bondage for almost 400 years. And God delivered these Israelites through a series of plagues and through great miracles. We know there were so many plagues, so many miracles that God performed in Egypt. That was a great witness for Israelites and also Egyptians. But the Pharaoh and his people, they rejected. But ultimately, it was God's purpose to redeem his people and God has delivered his people. On the journey, we see so many miracles that God has done in the lives of Israelites. God has parted Red Sea. And after 40 years, he has done a miracle of stopping Jordan River, that the river turned back. And also we see the mountains and hills when Lord gives or gave the Ten Commandments when he descended on Mount Sinai, the earth quaked, the mountain quaked. Now in the Bible, there is unique things in the, about the mountains that uh, we will see some, uh, very few verses, but if you go back to the study guide that I have uh, gave you, you can see some of the very interesting uh, facts that mountains has. Now remember, when our Lord ascended to heaven, he ascended from Mount of Olives. And when he's coming back, he's coming on the same mountains, the mountains are going to split, and there will be a big valley. And remember that transfiguration was on the mountain. So many things happen in the mountains. And in Revelation, you will see, when Lord comes, the mountain melts. So I give all the scriptures in the study guide. Please go uh, uh, home and meditate on those verses. Now, the other truth about this psalm is, it's all about divine intervention. Now remember, God has promised Israelites to deliver them. And when he asked them to depart from Egypt, he, didn't, he, was, he wasn't quite for the 40 years through the journey. He didn't say, okay, you start and be in the promised land, I'll see you there. He didn't say that. He was with them. He was by them and he was for them every moment and every day. He, he has provided all the providence that the Israelites lived. So we should remember that God intervenes in our lives. In every day, he intervenes. One of my professors said, Steve Lawson, that God's heart beats more than our hearts beat for God. That is, God's hearts beat more for us than, than our hearts beat for God. I don't know 
how often you think about god in your everyday lives but god thinks of you all the time in everyday lives he intervenes you he provides you providentially with all the blessings that you need there was a saying looks like in this nation that i didn't see but i just heard recently uh, that in some of the general stores they put a board if you don't find any item in our store which means you don't need that so whatever you have or whatever you don't have you don't need it from god and whatever you have god provides everything that we need so that's one of the very important uh, truth that please remember with me that this truth wasn't just written for the encouragement of those people but it was written for even today to us to remind us and also for all the future generations now you might be thinking it took 400 years for god to let them back to the promised land you know why such a long time and at least for me 400 years is a long time now i don't know if you have ever uh, noticed this verse but if you look at your bible the genesis chapter 15 verse 16 Genesis chapter 15 verse 16 God God promised Abraham that in the fourth generation your descendants will return here why for the iniquity of Amorites is not yet complete did you see that God was waiting at home for the completeness of sin of amorites so that god would judge them you know when israelites returned after 400 years there were so many nations in the land of canaan and particularly in jerusalem it was the people of amorites who was living so god was waiting can you imagine there is a time for certain people for the completeness of their sin we might be thinking oh it's the judgment of israel to certain factor yes but it's multifold and that's exactly what happens in our lives if god is waiting something for you it's multifold that we don't know god has given enough knowledge enough grace enough instructions and guidance in his word but there is so much more that we don't know yet i the secret belongs to god but the truth that i want to emphasize here is there are multifold in several factors that we don't know when god delays something or when god says no for something we don't know we only think from one aspect when god said no to moses not to enter into the promised land it was definitely multifold not just a judgment or not just the punishment for he being dishonoring god but there also multi fold and i don't know moses would have thought that god the devil would ask for his dead body after he is dead if that would happen we don't know what what would have happened in the transfiguration moses and elijah come and speak to lord jesus christ i mean god has a separate plan when god said no to moses to enter into the promised land the truth what i want to emphasize is there will be multifolds that we don't understand sometimes we have to go through the wilderness 
and god would lead us through the wilderness for sure for several reasons god is sovereign so we don't understand every thing that is happening in our own life sometimes especially when you are in the wilderness and it's pretty common for the believers to go up and down sometimes look at the lives of life of elijah you know one day his spirit was high does great miracles on the mount of carmel but look at the next day he's fleeing for his life from the queen jezebel and if that happens with you don't worry and don't think it's uncommon it's common with the believers that's okay sometimes but remember god is sovereign and god intervenes in our lives every day and he works he causes everything for our good remember uh, remember romans 8:28 god causes all things to work for good for us we we don't understand truly sometimes and he those who love god and who are called according to his purpose he causes all things to work for together when you say all things cancer heart attacks disappointments failures ultimately forever good but it's hard four nights back i got a call from india that my dad got heart attack and it broke me i knew the god is sovereign is in control i knew whatever happens nothing happens out of the will of god but we being in human nature you know he gave him birth you know was raised not home i'm sorry this wasn't in the plan but i was going through you know four nights i couldn't sleep i come from a, from a small town where we don't have any facilities when we admitted him in the hospital the doctor gave him a shot that clears the blockage the plus fine but then after that we don't know how many blocks he has what's the condition of his heart and we want to take him to the bigger city hyderabad where we have so many facilities that you can do angiogram or everything but the local doctor was saying no i can't let him go it's very risky if because when somebody gets heart attack he can get second time again and he's saying what if something happens and fortunately i had um, a couple of friends who are doctors one of my friend cardiologist he works in michigan and i was taking all the reports from india and i was sharing with all the doctors and saying and the second night after the second day my friend called me at 10 o'clock our time which was almost midnight or 1 o'clock he saw the ecg said sam you need to rush him to the hyderabad very soon it's 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 uh, it's risky now and i called the doctor um, from i mean i asked my friend's uh, brother to go and talk and take him to the hospital and the doctor saying no we were in trouble i didn't knew it what to do we need to take him but he's saying what if something happens and the next day dr dean come until midday but somehow by god's grace we could able to take him to the hospital to hyderabad four to five hours journey from there he was admitted he was treated well 
Yesterday, the doctors put him stunts, and by God's grace, he is doing good. Praise God. But the truth of the matter is, I know that God is sovereign, and I know all things work for good. But is it easy to go through these kind of incidents in our lives? No. And I know there will be so many bigger things in your own lives that you would be going through. So we would be going through these wildernesses. That's for sure. And there is no optional for any of the believers. God, according to his sovereign plan, certainly brings wilderness in our lives according to the purpose that he has. It all depends and he is in sovereign control. So the same happened with Israelites. God led them to the wilderness. Now, when I was a child, when I used to think of the wilderness, I used to think all the trees, you know, all the greenery. They were walking in the under the trees and shades and residing uh, certain places. I thought it, it was okay until two months back when I went to Israel and I saw the wilderness. Oops, that's not the trees, the desert. It is so hard, you don't believe. Uh, some of the uh, women truly, they fainted. It's hard. God led these Israelites to travel for 40 years in that hot. It was, you know, the, he, at some place the heat was really radiating back on our face. Such a strong heat. There is no doubt why they were requesting for water a couple of times that we have seen and we're going to see soon. So, God led them through the wilderness. And remember, all things for, works for good. And the scripture is a great comfort. And uh, one particular night, three nights back, I was all awake and I was praying all the night. And especially I was uh, meditating on two particular verses. Uh, that comforted me, not knowing what's going to happen next. Especially my dad was on, on the journey from my hometown to Adilaba, uh, to Hyderabad for a better facility. I was meditating on Romans 8.28 that God causes all things for our good, especially those who love God and those who, who are called according to His purpose. And the second thing I was, uh, the second verse I was meditating was, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, uh, um, um, make your request known to God with all the prayers and supplications. I, the peace of God that surpasses uh, everything will guard your heart. So what I was focusing is, especially meditating on that verse, anxiety or everything causes, because of certain kind of understanding that we have, God's word says, He will surpass all, I mean, the peace of God will surpass all the understanding. I mean, I mean, we don't have proper understanding. That's the reason we get anxiety or we get anxious. So, we'll dig into Psalm, Psalm 114, verse 1. When Israel went, from, went forth from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah became a sanctuary, Israel is dominion. So, when Israel's were led, remember, God has manifested His presence amongst His people. He never wanted to dwell in a physical buildings. 
the church is not about a building remember church is us we god wants uh, god wants us to dwell in us and that's what he manifested his presence in the lives of israel now remember sanctuary is nothing but uh, judah became sanctuary and israel is dominion sanctuary is nothing but it's a, it's a unique place set apart by god for god for for his presence now when israelites departed remember the presence of god was with them in the pillar of cloud in the day and the pillar of fire in the night he was physically present uh, with them and even his glory was presented or was present in the tabernacle you know tabernacle the kind of temple israelites used to have until it was finally uh, brought back and settled down uh, on, on the shiloh the glory the shekinah of god used to dwell amongst the people and after that when solomon built the temple his presence dwelt in the temple his glory uh, dwelt in the temple so god wants us god wants to manifest his presence in us he doesn't want to live anywhere else he wants to live right in us he wants to make us as sanctuary always remember that and then israel his dominion now judah and israel literally here doesn't represent two different nations judah represents an outstanding tribe and israel uh, represents the entire nation because that's how people used to regard when they were um, led out of babylon uh, captivity so according to their language the author is referring judah and israel as, as sanctuary and as dominion uh, one important uh, truth you need to uh, remember about dominion so dominion is nothing but a specific governor uh, uh, governing territory or place where god wants to uniquely carried out his authority his power you know we are living in, in, in the nation of united states of america and the big boss is sitting in washington biden he has the authority and power over this territory similarly god says that judah and israel became his dominion that is the people became his dominion god became their lord it is uh, it, it's it, it is god who became their king to carry out his authority and that's what is true even today when you became a believer when you became um, a christian or fellow brothers and sisters are part of the body of christ not only lord jesus christ became your savior but he also became your lord your king you are not of your own no you're not of your own yes certainly god has given so much of blessings and freedom to in certain areas but but you know it's ultimately it's the lord who rules in our lives in our hearts in every circumstances he is lord he is our dominion we are not our own we've been purchased by the blood of jesus christ always remember that if something is not working according to your will 
remember it's working according to the will of your boss he has authority over you he has authority, he has power over you because he is your lord he made that he made we as his sanctuary and he is made we has his dominion so that he can carry his authority in us so and remember god is a just god and god is love authority doesn't means slavery please don't take it wrong but the truth of the matter is that's what we think sometimes in our lives that i don't know when if you have worked on to work on something that never worked for you i did that never 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 and i said and i and i i got the truth later on you know it is the god is my boss he is exercising his authority and power in my lives and he does whatever he wills that's what is a sovereign lord is about even when it comes to the salvation saving of somebody read romans 9 you know the clay doesn't have anything to ask about the potter the potter will make you as he wishes he wants so remember that we came from him he is uh, we are his sanctuary and uh, he is our dominion we move on to the second uh, part god's power was over his creation now if you go back when israelites were departed we see from verse 3 to 6 generally it should have been divided into two part but i just merged it the sea looked and fled the jordan turned back the mountains script like rams the hills like lambs now look at the personification of the nature as as human and their response the author would have said the sea uh, jordan responded or simply obeyed but look at the language the author is using he's saying the sea fled so when you flee from someone when you are scared when you are fear fear for your lives you, you, we we flee imagine somebody came with all the guns and all what we do we fear we 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 flee we flee to protect us to be saved with the fear so we see the nature the sea the river the mountains we see their fear i mean the fear the mount the nature has feared and trembled god when god intervened god was with them now remember these israelites were common people like us and we are very common people aren't we sinners we are remember as believers we are both sinners and also righteous equally sometimes when you try to explain the truth once i was trying to share a gospel to one of the hindu and a non christian he pointed me saying are you righteous you are a sinner too so yes i am i am but i am also righteous in christ jesus who was covered by the blood of christ so that's the truth that you must remember we are sinners and we are righteous at the same time now what i'm trying to emphasize here is these israelites were common people but when god chose them when he elected them they became special people and so us we we are so special to god you are not a common people just like any you are special people chosen by god for god and for his own glory you are these special 
souls on the earth. Always remember this truth. So these are the special people. And when these special people were crossing the river and the sea, the sea fled. The river turned back. Not because of the people. Not that God is manifesting the glory of the people, but God is manifesting his own glory. When God intervenes in our lives, when we live for God, as God's presence lives in us, when we go talk to the people, the, his presence, his glory and his power should be and will be manifested in our lives. God providentially put you in a place where you are right now and he will take you where he wants to. It is for his own glory that he is leading and he is guiding us. You are so special. Remember that all the time. Not only that, can you imagine a common believer like Joshua, of course, elected by God as we, at the same privilege, can I go, can you imagine go out and stop the sun and the moon? Can you even dare to pray? I don't know where this courage got for Joshua. He went and he didn't even thought he prays while fighting with Israelites, uh, sorry, Amorites and other uh, uh, kingdoms. He went and prayed, let the sun be stopped. So, so the sun stood in Gibeon and the moon on the valley of Ailan. Common people, common believer like me and all, specially chosen by God. When Elijah prayed, the rain stopped for three and a half years. He's a common believer, the same person who did miracle one day and was fleeing for, the, for his life another day. What I'm trying to say is, believers are same in God. Now, it all depends on how the purpose that God has in you and to what extent you are walking with the Lord. But remember, I'm trying to give an examples in the history and make you connect so that we are also common believers. But because those believers were chosen by God, they become very special. So does you all become very special, not because of our own nature, because you were elected by God and chosen by God if you are all believers. Remember that. And the verse 5 and 6, What ails you, O sea, that you flee, O Jordan, that you turn back, O mountains, that you skip like rams, O hills, like lambs? Now, we are moving into the phase of inter interrogation. The author is firing rapid questions to the nature. What made you to the flee? What made you to turn back? What made you to melt mountains? These rapid questions are not to the nature, but to us, the readers, to draw the attention to fear God, to draw the attention as what's going on. We don't see the answer after these verses. The questions were just given to draw our attention, to focus and think what's going on. Why are you fleeing? Why are you turning back? Why are you melting away? Why are you quaking? When the Lord descended on the Mount Sinai, you know, he descended with a lot of fire. The mountains quaked. So the author is firing so many questions to draw our attention. It is because, look at verse 9. Tremble, O earth, 
before the Lord, before the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain of water. Now, in this verse, after all the six verses you see, in the seventh verse, in the seventh verse we see the name of the God that the author has mentioned. Now, it's not only said that, look at the transition he's making now. Remembering the historical facts, remembering the mightiness of God, who is now is directing, is drawing our attention, not only our, but the entire earth. He's saying, tremble, O earth. When he says, O earth, it's all the nations, all the people. Fear God, tremble before him. Have the reverence that you should have. That's what his author is saying here. We are actually meditating on the final or the ultimate destiny of human beings. He's about to tremble, fear, and have a reverence God. I remember one day somebody one day was preaching. He told, imagine Christ came here and touched you and all. You know, I said, what's that? I'm telling you, when God comes here, I don't think I can stand at least. I will fall on my feet. Look at the John in the Revelation. What happens? He fell on his feet. That's the power and mighty of God. That's his presence. We, we can't even, even stand. But the truth is, the sum of all our life is to fear God. Look at the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. The sum of all things is to fear God and keep his commandments. That was, that's what is ultimate destiny of us, that we must fear God. We must tremble before God. Trembling means to twist something in a circular or spiral manner. Just not, not pretending. Okay, It's actually on the inside of our heart, there is a twisting of our emotions. There is shaking of our emotions. You must fear God. You must fear His sovereign. Two days back, I was walking in the evening. Two of the Mormons, young guys stopped me. I said, do you want to see the photo of Jesus Christ. That's what they said. I said, how do you know that the photo of Jesus Christ? Oh no, it's just an imaginary thing. And I said, God asked us not to make any imaginary things of his. Then why are you saying? So that was not their point. But they want to talk about Mormons and all. I said, I know about all. The point is, what you, what you know? All I know is, the canyon was closed. God has revealed his progressive revelation. And the canon canon has closed. You don't have to add anything. That's what they did it. They bought additional books and saying as revelation of God, I told them clearly, I would not dare to add anything to God or his word. I said, that itself is a bigger sin when you said you got something from God. You must fear God. And they said, oh, no, no, we are not arguing. I mean, I was, you know, you got what I was trying to say. I said, I'm not arguing, but I want to make the truth firm that you cannot add anything and you must fear God. If you fear God, you wouldn't even dare to add anything to his word or to his works or his thoughts or anything in your lives as well. And you obey him according to his sovereign will, according to his dominion and authority he has in your lives. And he does everything perfectly for you, for your own good. That I, me, you, 
probably may not understand or comprehend entirely but one day we will for sure when we will see him face to face that day is coming soon so remember the purpose of this psalm is to encourage but but have you ever wondered why do we need to fear god why do we need to tremble three important uh, truths first we need to understand our unworthiness always remember there are two most important factors every believer should know and believe he should know the holiness and the righteousness and the power of god and the man should also know his deprived nature he should know how sinful he is two weeks uh, one month back i was talking with a muslim friend who is the same cardiologist cardiologist by the way very good friend of mine sometimes we we debate I mean, not literally but it's kind of debate so his point uh, was by the way muslims believe jesus too okay jews believe jesus too and they know he's coming they also say, yeah we know he's coming but they don't want to believe he is messiah so after discussing everything he was traveling from michigan to chicago to pick up his dad he's being a doctor is very busy but on that day he was very free he wants to talk and i was trying to prepare the message i didn't time but i spoke with him but ultimately i bought this point his name is rajiv i said rajiv if you or if we understand how sinful we are and we understand how holy god is it is not hard for us to understand the trinity that's where we are actually talking about people has problem with trinity incarnation Three, incarnation was the only solution to redeem us and that uh, people didn't understand that and they don't want to comprehend that they don't want to understand the trinity if you understand how deprived we are it's not hard thing things hard to comprehend the doctrines of god we can understand every doctrine and we can accept every doctrine you can believe it if you don't understand who we are if you understand it's okay with our sin no it's not god's nature is to punish sin he cannot accept sin but because still he loves us he redeemed us his own way so you must understand your unworthiness god calls us for the response of reverence fear and tremble second we because we have the moral accountability remember the nature here the sea the jordan river the mountains they don't have moral accountability they don't have to give an accountability one day but we have to stand in front of god giving an account for every good and bad things that we have done every good and bad words that you have spoke and for entire life whatever you have done we going to give an account remember you need to fear god into tremble before him he is a god of almighty he is a god of wrath and anger doesn't accept sin in any ways remember that we have to give an account and accordingly fear him tremble before him have the reverence for him there are so many scriptures all are given in the study guide and please go and meditate and the third important truth why need to fear is because of the coming judgment there is a judgment that is coming all of my sins and all our sins will be displayed and will be dealt with one 
by one. One person and each. One month back, I don't know, suddenly my daughter started asking me a question. She said, Dad, when God reveals our sins, would everybody else present there? And I got the same question so many times in our lives. When God reveals, you know, when I think something against any people, you know, sometimes, you know what I'm talking about, and, and I'm sure that you all would have thought, you know, when God judges and reveals our sins, would our own friends would be there whom we used to think wrong or bad about and all. But knowing the fact that we will be under the judgment, we need to fear God. You know, fear of the God is the beginning of the wisdom. That is, when you know that the accountability and the judgment is coming, that wisdom will drive or, 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 the, or the fear of, uh, the, or that fear will drive you to the uh, wisdom of God. I mean, when you know the judgment and accountability is there, you will go to Lord Jesus Christ. You need a savior. Remember that when you go to heaven, we are not going to go to heaven for any of the good things that we do as compared to those unbelievers who wouldn't accept one and only one thing that is believing Lord Jesus Christ as our savior. That's all. When the accountability or judgment comes, imagine all the believers and unbelievers, all our sins and their sins are clearly written. But the only thing, the only difference between us and them is because they rejected Jesus Christ. That's the only thing God made, led us into the heaven. So this fear uh, should be the beginning of wisdom of God. That is, when you know the fear, when you know God's truth, that accountability is coming, you need to go to God. You need to know that you need a savior. You need an advocate. You know, we cannot fight our case on our own. I was taking a theology class last summer and our professor said something. I may not real, relate it to the quote uh, here, but uh, I'll try to. When you go to the judgment seat, the judge will be Jesus Christ. Our prosecutor will be Jesus Christ. Devil's prosecutor will be Jesus Christ. Witnesses will be Jesus Christ. Now think of the judgment. That's what's going to happen. It is Jesus Christ who's going to judge you, but he's the one who is going to defend you. He's our advocate. And if you're unbelievers, may I beg you, if you don't have advocate, you can't defend your case in the court, just the judgment that is coming. I beg you, please, please accept Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. During the crucifixion, we see two persons denied Jesus Christ. All other two, but specifically two, Peter and Judas Iscariot. Both denied Jesus Christ. Both. And we see both repented as well. But one took his life because he fled in the wrong direction. We must flee. And when we flee, we must flee in the right direction. Always remember that. Always remember that. Don't take life in your own hands and flee to a wrong direction. Jesus Christ is the only Savior that can save you and all the human nature who would accept 
him as Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May the Lord encourage this verse. So go home, with especially remembering the truth that his divine intervention in our lives, that he is with you all the time. May Lord bless these words in our lives. Thank you. Amen.